Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing With Science. Today we enter Twitterdom through the vast multiverses of Neil deGrasse Tyson's mind and light up the cerebral spheres that engage with the complex and ever-evolving world of sport. Yeah, so uh, did you did you change your meds? Cause it's like... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Neil deGrasse Tyson has many opinions and many things which he chooses to share on a regular basis, but he has a heartfelt connection to sports that's constantly filtered through his scientific lens on Twitter. So... When you play with science, there can be no better play date than the man himself. Yes, thanks for joining us right now. It's the one, the, the only, the inimitable You like that? Scared? Where'd right. you get the gong? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Normally that's how you get someone off the stage, right? <laughs> I saw the gong show. All righty. No, 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 don't take it personally. Uh, no, that is, a, that is a royal entrance right there. That's what the gong is for. Now, normally I'm sitting there. That's right, sir. Now that's... you just took you just took your own damn show. <laughs> kind of... Now I'm a guest on your damn show. Weirding you out? Are you comfortable? Are you okay? I'll get, I'll get used to it. That's all right. It doesn't happen without you no What's matter what, happen? though. What's up? Neil's going to start asking us questions. He won't be able to help himself. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'll be, I'll happily be your guest on this show. Yeah, that's Thank when. The, the, please right. don't ask us any questions. It, it means I feel loved. Uh, I feel loved. Uh, yeah. That's very cool. Thanks for being here, man. We All appreciate right. it. Uh, yeah. And of course, you are a prolific tweeter. Yeah, but it's not uh, well. So a couple of things. First, you said I have many opinions, which I do, but I hardly ever tweet opinions. This is true. Okay, uh, the uh, most opinionated tweet I ever posted, which was clearly an opinion, was after Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I said, BB-8 is way cuter than R two D two. That was clearly an opinion. That's an opinion. And, and, and of course, there were fights and things. Are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> that was generational fights. Yeah, without a um, doubt. And but uh, what I try to is not give you an opinion because. Frankly, I don't care if you share my opinion on anything. Okay. What I care is that whatever opinion you come up with, mm -hmm. it is f informed with objectively verifiable truths. Nice. There, See, there you go. This man is always about science education, right, right down to is. the tweets. Then make whatever old damn opinion you want. Right. I don't care. But, I mean, I care broadly. But specifically mm -hmm. person to person, right. just I, I'll give you more information that you may have had before right. to help you understand your decisions. That's and all. It's funny. So yeah, on behalf of the universe. Yeah. Thank I, you. I like that. Yeah. I'm representing the universe yeah. in my presence here today. Well, and the funny thing, when you talk about opinions, and uh, I caught the tail end eavesdropping of you having a conversation with somebody, and you were saying that uh, when scientists talk to people, um, if you say things that are just patently unscientific. Or just false. Or false. Yeah. And you just refuse, you just, you just, you just blindly adhere to those things. Yeah. We're not going to argue with you. You just walk away. You just walk away. Yeah, yeah. There's the old adage, which is mostly true, right. that if an argument lasts more than five minutes, then both sides are wrong. Nice. <laughs> there's a timeline on an argument. That makes sense, though, you know, when you think about it. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. facts are facts, and, you know. Yeah, and by the way, in science, it's not like we don't argue, but when we argue, we argue with a certain fundamental premise, which perhaps does not exist with other kinds of arguments, other spheres of argument. In science, you and I argue, 
it's built on the premise that either I'm right and you're wrong, right. or you're right and I'm wrong, or we're both wrong. Right. And the fact that we're arguing is that there's insufficient data to resolve this yet. Right. So we use our arguments to help shape what next data we're going to put on the table so that we can get over with that argument, agree, and go on to the next problem. Right. But the argument in science is not for the sake of argument. Like, you know, I know I am, but what are you? <laughs> you know, just, I know you are, but what am I? Your mama, right? You know, 99% of the normal arguments. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really... Yeah, in science, there are no your, your mama jokes. Right, no your mama jokes. Which <laughs> <laughs> I think's a good thing. That, w- that would be fun. If, if I get up and give a... a talk at a scientific conference and somebody doesn't like it, say, yo, mama. <laughs> I'd have no rebuttal to that. Right, exactly. Right? <laughs> so right, so what, we're, what we're talking about today are the tweets of Niels with respect to sports, yes. which is- You called uh, all my my sports tweets? Yes, we did, my friend. We They're not, there's not a, I mean, there's a few, but it's not like that's what I do, right? No, no but there's, there's a, there's, there's more than 40 of them. 40? Okay, we were able to 5, find- 5,000. Okay, so there's, right. there's one in a hundred is a sports tweet. Okay. Is a, is a sports tweet, right. you know? and a lot of times they surround very significant sporting events. Yes, yes, just to keep it in the mood. Right. Yes. So yeah. it's it like the Super Bowl or the Olympics. Your gray matter. Yes, it does. Even if it's one in a hundred. And you are an athlete, you know. I mean, yeah. forty pounds ago, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've. We, I think we've established we're all. Everyone here is an ex-athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, I'm. I'm sure that you know you're a person who looks at. So, so as a, as a former athlete, you were a wrestler. But just can I tell you, uh, since we're like three guys here, uh, all right? So. Uh, you know where my how how I wear my forty pounds. So a lot of it is everywhere, but of course we're guys, so most of it just goes to the belt. The gut, right. But I've always had broad shoulders and a large chest, and my chest, even at my chubbiest, was always bigger than my waist. So all you have to do is cut a jacket, to a sport coat, to come in at the waist a little bit. Right. And then it still cuts, and you don't look like some slob that you know. That that clearly was once in shape, but is no longer. There you go. So, so I've so I've been able to fake this extra weight in my in my. And next week on Playing with Science, we'll have colours for spring and <laughs> as well as tailoring <laughs> and other ideas. <laughs> haberdasherial advice from Playing with Science. Okay. So you know we like to start off every show with a clip, a sporting clip that Ooh, is significant. Okay. Yeah. So we have something you made a. Um, you, you, you wrote a tweet about Usain Bolt. I thought it was very cute. Uh, but uh, speaking of Usain Bolt, who, by the way, for those of you who are interested, we are going to be doing a show with Usain Bolt, who has uh, expressed his He's going to come on your show? Not, no, he wants to talk catch to him you. Oh, he wants to talk to me. He wants to do an interview with you that we will then take and put on the show. Oh, okay. So, yeah. If we can catch him. If we, oh, look at that. If we can catch him. That was good. Catch him. That was good. So anyway, he is the fastest man in the world, and probably the greatest sprinter of all time. And here's a little ditty from him in something called the Rio Olympics. Gatlin got a good enough start. Bolt was a bit slow to begin. He's got some work to do. Gatlin's in front. Bolt stretching out now. He's coming after him. He's immortal now. Usain's done it. Gatlin challenged for the silver medal. 9.80 all the way from Beijing to London and now to Rio. It is one of the greatest athletic achievements of all time, if not the very greatest. Wow, there you have it. What was great about so, it? So here's the way, I gotta jump in right now. Jump, jump right in right okay. now, jump, jump in. Um, so he's not the fastest man in the world. He's the fastest human there ever was. Wow. Just to be clear. There is a distinction. Okay, this is why we have measuring devices. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. for him to say, poss- uh, uh, one of the greatest, a- no, if he's the fastest human there ever was. It is the greatest. Thank you. It's just, there, just, there's not one of the not greatest. It's not about an opinion yeah, at that point. Right. These yeah. are numbers that we're talking about. This is the good about. thing about the methods and tools of science. Right. It renders opinions irrelevant. Right. Right. So, right. So, so I know where you were going with that. The the winner of the hundred meter dash is considered the fastest man in the world. Correct. You set a world record in it. You're the fastest person there ever was. Right. There it was. Wow. That's pretty cool. Actually, think about it. Oh, you got my tweet. Where you got my tweet? That's your tweet. Okay. It's so. It's. I really liked it. You caught some flack on this from some haters because you used Bolt, the dog. 
who, by the way, great movie if you have kids, which I do, young children. Uh, I took them a few years ago. And it's a, it's a cute movie, and it's about a dog who's super, super fast. And so why don't you read the tweet? Okay, so in, in this tweet, uh, this is not from memory. You have it up on a screen yes. that I'm looking at. Okay. Yeah. So I just thought uh, people should know how fast bolts are. Right. <laughs> so right. I said, how many bolts can I come up with? So there's Usain Bolt. Uh-huh. There's a lightning bolt. Right. And I thought I remembered some other sort of cartoon character bolt. And sure enough, there was the dog from the movie. Right. So then I looked up the speed, the average running speed of that species of dog. Okay. Because there was a real species of dog portrayed in the film. Right. So I got all these three numbers together and I put it up in metric units. So here okay, we go. So here's the tweet. 100,000 meters per second. Mm-hmm. Lightning bolt. There you go. Yep. 13.4 meters per second. Bolt. 10.4 meters per second. Usain bolt. Usain bolt. And I and I and I mashed three images together: one of the lightning bolt, the dog, and Usain. That's, yes. that's all I did. And, and it's, 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 that's not an opinion here. Right. I'm just giving you information. And so a lot of people were incredulous <coughs> that a human being could run 10.4 meters. In one second. Oh, they never, they didn't see it in this context. Right. Yeah. Because there's 10 meters. Right. One second is short. 10 meters is how far you got to go in four downs to get a first down. Exactly. And they couldn't quite. People were like, oh, conceptualization of time and distance becomes an issue. Okay, I did not know because I can't uh, track everybody's comment about it. So I I read the comments after I read this, and a lot of people were like, that's impossible. Ten, uh, so 10.4 meters in one second, but it's over a hundred meters. Right. And in fact, he doesn't, it looked like he didn't hit his stride until 70 meters or so. He doesn't. He never does. Oh, he's still accelerating at a hundred meters. Yeah, but that's the whole thing about Usain Bolt. Against the shorter sprinters, he takes one or two steps less. Okay. So the power transference from when his foot hits the track and then goes mm-hmm. allows him to, to become that much faster in the latter stages. And it's probably also more efficient because yeah. he takes fewer steps fewer to steps. go the same. Right. Yeah. And uh-huh. the experts are saying he may not be the apex of human sprinting. Somebody at some stage, another outlier will turn up and go even faster. Well, who, what's that person going to look like? Yeah, I don't exactly. know. How long are their legs going to be? <laughs> well, that's just it. He, he has redefined the shape. If you think of sprinters in the past, mm-hmm. they were little pocket rockets. Yeah, yeah. He's come along at six foot five, but he's probably, you remember the great athlete Carl Lewis? The yeah, of course. Uh-huh. He's probably five inches taller. Carl Lewis is 5'10 or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Six five. Yeah. And much bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. that much quicker. Yeah, yeah. So it was so it was a delight to watch him run. Of course, I mean on, t- on TV I saw it, but, of but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, tempo. So the meters per second transfer of of how to think about speed uh, to whatever extent that would have helped. That's great. What concerns me mm-hmm. is that we have an educational system where someone could think that's wrong. Yes. Then assert that it's wrong, and which they did, by the way. Right. Right. <laughs> so rather than say, wow. I never thought about it that way before. Let me investigate to see if Tyson is right, rather than assert that I'm wrong. Right. Because correct people, just so you know, I think about this stuff before I tweet it. Right. This doesn't. That'll just like randomly. Oh, let me throw down some numbers. No, no, no. I put way more thought into my tweets than you will ever believe, given how much thought most people put into their tweets. Don't put into their tweets. Right. Right. So just just so you know. But the fact is. Um, it's possible to run 10.4 meters per second. Right, because a 100-meter dash takes 10 seconds, therefore it's 10 meters per second. There you go. It's but, really it's simple. Simple, that's, that's, simple math. That's math, not even 101. That's like... But the thing is, I think for a lot of people is, like you say, you see 10 meters and you see one second and you think of somebody coming from a standing, uh, a uh-huh. standing uh, position and going... One second, and they've gone ten meters. Right, right. You know, that's that's the way people. Think. Another another uh, impasse in this mental impasse yeah. occurred as trains were getting faster. Mm-hmm. Right. Someone said, "Oh, will we ever go a mile a minute?" 
Right. It was a mile right. and minute. minute. Yeah. You never had those in the same sentence before. Right. Yeah. And, and hell, that's just 60 miles an hour. That's all it is. It's 60 miles an hour. It's 60 minutes in an hour. Right. Mile a minute. Right. There and you go. And people and nobody would blink twice at that rate. Not now. today. Cause we, but You'd it, complain if you were doing 60 miles an hour. <laughs> Only 60 miles an hour. Bullet train or, or one of the super fast trains <laughs> in Europe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that was great, man. That was, a, that was really cool. And uh, okay. I just love the fact that no matter what you tweet, it's always controversial to someone. Yeah, but that's not my... I'm not trying to be controversial. By the way, I have... Tweets that I read them and say, you know, that's probably controversial. I'm not going to tweet that. One day, I'm going to collect all the ones that I knew in advance would be controversial and chose not to tweet them. Sweet. Okay. You're going to oh. data dump them on everybody. I'm going to do a data dump. I said, you think, you think I'm trying to be controversial? Here's the controversy. You have no idea. Here you go. Nice. Okay. Wow. Tyson's new book of controversy. Yeah. <laughs> We got to find a way to make that into a book. Okay. <laughs> Neil Tyson. We got one here. The world. So this is from the 2012 Olympics. Yeah. All right. I said, "How about a Mars Olympics?" Yes, all athletes would suffocate. <laughs> Ignoring that complication, way cooler than an Earth Olympics. That's all. Uh, way cooler than an Earth Olympics. I'm Mars setting you up for tweets that follow. Yes, obviously. I was going to say because yeah, yeah, yeah. when you say way cooler, then you actually give us some examples of why mm -hmm. an Olympics on Mars or pretty much any sporting event on Mars might be cool. Might it's be also a couple hundred degrees below zero on Mars, so way cooler has double meaning there. Ah. Yeah, no, okay. I, we, I think we picked that you one. picked that up, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's look at one of the Mars uh, tweets, and this is cycling on Mars. Okay, okay. All, right. All, right. All right. So go ahead. All right. So uh, this is again during the, the summer 2012 Olympics. If there was cycling on Mars, try Olympic Mons, a volcanic mountain five times taller than Mont Blanc in the Alps. Wow. So you think you got tall mountains here. No, the tallest mountains and the deepest valleys are not on Earth, the, in the solar system. They're, they're on Mars, they're on the moon, so we ain't got no, we, nothing. We, right. Yeah, we're not, okay, well, we're not winning those contests. Because you know this, the atmosphere on Mars is how much less than the Earth's atmosphere? It's about one one-hundredth. Yeah. So if we had the pressure, that. atmospheric pressure. Right. So in other words, for every breath you take on Mars, there's one one hundredth the amount of air in that breath than it would be on As an Earth. athlete, altitude becomes your enemy in terms of the oxygenation. If you're breathing. performing in altitude, but yeah. the ideal way to do this is you train in altitude yes. and mm. then compete at sea level. Right. So what we need to do is that's, go to that's Mars. That's why Sherpas yeah. don't have any problem getting up the mountain while all the tourists are like, <gasps> that's right. All the baggage. I need, right. Yeah. I need more oxygen. So here's what you do. Even better. Train on Mars. I'm going to make a suggestion that's never been made before. You ready? Yeah. Here we are. You drain the Pacific Ocean. Okay. Oh. And then hold the Olympics at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. But, but you train at high altitude, but now you compete at the, the bottom, of the, which bottom is of the trench. six miles down. Now every breath of air has way more oxygen right. than at sea level. And so now uh, you have heroic feats. Before, you don't even have to dope your blood. The air itself will put the oxygen right, and becomes, force it right into your lungs. Sure the I just see you're going to stump up for that draining of the <laughs> I was going to say, I just like the fact that you're thinking like a supervillain. <laughs> I'd have gone the, the other Pacific way and said, Ocean. let's all go train on Mars, mm -hmm. on, the, um, on the mountain. On the Olympic Mons. And come back to Earth and compete. Problem is, it's only 40% the gravity of Earth. So the weight that you are carrying is not as much going up the hill. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, there, so, so there is some trade-off there. Some trade-off there. There's some trade-off there. Some leaded suits. Right. And, yeah, yeah, just yeah. led led yourself down. Yeah. Uh, another thing, once you've drained the Pacific Ocean, mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with sports, just while we're on the topic. If you drain the Pacific Ocean, that is the great toilet bowl of dead satellites. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah, because they always splash down in the Pacific. Oh, look, they crash down. In the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if That's it's a true. dead satellite, they're not they're splashing. They're not crashing. splashing down. They're, they're crashing down. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the reason why is the Pacific Ocean is almost a third of all possible longitudes on Earth. Right. So if you deorbit and you do it, you have a lot of latitude, no pun intended, to where you begin the deorbit so that it's going to plunk down in the Pacific yeah, no matter right. what. And, and people don't live there, so not over the great bulk of the expanse. Right. So it's a safe place to drop your stuff out of orbit. The day we deorbit Hubble, it's going straight into it's the Pacific. Going into the, sp yeah, the Pacific, Pacific Ocean. Hubble, and it's the size of a Greyhound bus, by the way, if you wow. don't know. Nice. Hubble telescope. All right. Oh, yeah. So this is one of my mm. favorite. Okay. Uh, you, uh, we, we actually talked about this in, in a different form on... On Star Talk, uh, and it's swimming on Mars. Okay, so here it is again. Yeah. The same, same week. Uh, if there was swimming on Mars, 
the low temperature and low air pressure would force the pool to simultaneously freeze and boil. Sweet. That, how many hours does Michael does Phelps have to train <laughs> to, to, to cope with freezing and boiling simultaneously? Because he's up to about 50,000 There hours. it is gurgling, and there are the chunks of ice yeah, in right, there as the well. Same. So yeah. at the exact at the same time, so can you explain that? So the, the, yeah. it's, I don't know how you get to that situation. How do you get to that situation? Okay, so in, in chemistry, in physics as well, it's called the triple point, Okay. So which is a cool name. Yeah, the triple yeah. point of a of a substance is the point where it is happy being solid liquid and gas all at the same time. All at the same time. Okay? So now, now, that sounds freaky because it's outside of our common life experience. Right. But it's less so than you might think. Okay? So, take a look at um, uh, dry ice, okay? CO2. Okay. That's in a double point of its state. So it is simultaneously a solid Mm -hmm. and a vapor. Right. It's happening all at once. Yes. Okay? You open the thing up, the vapor comes out, and it's solid. Right. So that's a double point that it's occupying. Right. That's not as interesting as the triple point. But it does make for awesome concerts. So here, <laughs> uh, so here's how I, I, awesome. I think they use other smoke for that. Rather, I think there's other. They, do. they got that done. They used to use dry ice back in the day, but you're right. They use smoke machines now. 80 years ago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When Twisted Sister performed in <laughs> night in aught three, you know. So so here's how it works. You you know that when you go to high altitude, yeah, it affects cooking times because water boils at a lower temperature. Right. You know this. Instead of 212, if we're all using imperial units, uh, it could it could boil at 200 degrees or 180 degrees. Okay. So you have to increase the cooking time because the food is not at the high temperature for as long, and you can't get boiling water hotter than the temperature that it's boiling at. Right. All right. One of the earliest experiments I did with my kids, so they understood this. You, I, I would start boiling a pot of water. I say I give them a thermometer. I say measure the temperature, and it's like 100 degrees. Three minutes later, measure it again, 110 degrees, 120. They keep doing this. And I say, there's heat going into it. They say, yep, we see the flame. My kids are like six and seven and eight. So then it's like 200 degrees. They check it again. 205, 210, 212. Okay, 10 minutes later, measure it again. Still 212. Where's the energy going? Right. Oh, my gosh, it stops going. Because water cannot be liquid at that temperature and at that air pressure. Right. It's got to become gotta gas. become a gas. Right. So now you lower the air pressure, the boiling point drops. Right. And the more you lower the air pressure, the lower the boiling point drops. Right. And eventually, the boiling point meets the freezing point of water. Oh. And now you have frozen water, liquid water, and boiling water all in the, oh, same, the same pot. Point. That's exactly. great. Awesome. That's fantastic, man. That is fantastic. All right. So uh, instead of getting into another one, why don't we, because we're up against a break, let's take a break and we'll come back with more. Oh, no, I, no, I got to do this one real quick. All right. Go quick, ahead. Go do ahead. It. Okay. Uh, still Olympics on Mars? Olympics yes. on Mars. Okay, I, I, I want to say, because my side of my eye caught it, okay. the corner of my eye, and I don't want to, we could pick it up after the, after the break. But okay. for it. Go for it. Women's beach volleyball on Mars. No protective ozone layer there. Solar UV would irradiate all exposed legs, buns, and tummies. Wow. They don't hardly wear clothes they in don't. women's beach volleyball. Yes, they, which is, you know, I'm, that's why I don't watch it, because I'm very, <laughs> very modest. So. Although your wife doesn't let you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's so let's do that break. We're, we're going to take trouble. a break, and we're going to come back with more of Neil deGrasse Tyson's Tweets on Sports right after this. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no-surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. 
And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. I'm Chuck Nice. I forgot who I was. Don't worry, we're here for you. We're here. We're your backup team. And this is Playing With Science. We have Neil deGrasse Tyson with us. We've got to work on that. This is is Playing With Science. Okay. Go. go. (laughs) Reprimanded. Okay. (laughs) No, I don't want to. No, 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 you're in now. Now now you want wanting the gong back as well. (laughs) And a butler and a servant. We don't ever lose an opportunity to playing with science. And Neil deGrasse Tyson is here with us and his tweets, his many tweets. Not opinions. Not opinions, but they're tweets. Before we jump back into it, I just realized something. So, everyone wants you, when you were talking about volleyball on Mars, burning the skin uh, because no no, no UV protection. By the way, Mars is farther away from the sun than is Earth. So... The was it one point four? Carry the two. Always (laughs) don't don't you get it wrong. You'll get uh, so Mars has about uh, one half the solar intensity than does Mars. So in any given amount of time, all other things being equal, it would take you twice as long to get to get sunburned. But Mars does not have a UV layer. Right. I mean, a, a, an ozone, ozone layer. layer. Right. Because there's no free oxygen on, on, on Mars. Right. So on Earth, free oxygen is the oxygen we breathe. That's O2. Right. Oxygen binds with itself. The ozone layer high up in the atmosphere is three oxygen atoms. And the reason why that blocks UV, I don't, do you ever know, wonder why? How? I did not. Okay. So this molecule is sitting there fat and happy in the upper atmosphere. Okay. And one of its bonds that binds these molecules together is the same energetics as that of an ultraviolet particle of light, an ultraviolet photon. That's it. Ultraviolet photon comes in, it is just what it needs to bust Uh, it open. Right. So the energy of the light is gone, and it got converted to breaking apart this molecule. Right. So, so it basically so the, ate the UV molecule. So that the UV photon. Right. That 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 actual molecular bond yes. becomes a natural block. block. Like it's it's literally like a like a blocking tackle. Literal block. It's, and if there's a very close explosion to us in our solar system, okay. supernova, you can calculate because it takes a while to regenerate the, the ozone, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a stable layer. You, you win some, you lose some. Right. You get remanufactured. Re Thank you, here, Al Gore. Okay, so watch what happens. So if you have a, cl- a nearby supernova, which has a lot of UV, mm-hmm. you, the waves of UV light take out your ozone, and then the next wave goes through without... Uh, without conflict. Wow. So okay. the first wave... It's just gets, like an army. Right. It's exactly like army it's, wave, yeah. waves of armies. And so the ozone can only protect you so much before it has to rebuild itself if you have a, 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 a major flux of UV coming in. What's the so, timeline on a rebuild? I, I, I have to calculate that. I don't, okay. It, it has many sources. Lightning can actually regenerate. Um, you can put energy back in uh, to recreate this... Um, uh, because different chemical reactions are exothermic and endothermic, and it's the balance of all of these that creates the, chemi- the, the chemical cocktail that is our atmosphere. Nice. So, yeah, so other mechanisms can regenerate it. And I, whatever those mechanisms are, you can construct actual things 
in the universe that will override them, such as okay. supernova explosions. Yeah. Wow. Any other planets or moons in our solar system with a similar ozone layer? No, because we get our oxygen from life. Right. I used to think in Star Trek, oh, Captain, this is an oxygen-nitrogen atmosphere. We can go down and breathe it. I said, oh, all we have to do is look around the universe for a planet that, ha that happens to have the, the, the chemical mixture that Earth has. Right. And then I realized, no, that's not how it works. It's not that every planet's got its own mixture. It's that Earth has oxygen because we have life. Right. Because we, yeah. the, the, the photosynthesis, all the, the, the green plants make that oxygen, and that then, that's like rocket fuel for animals. Then animals can now rise up, metabolize oxygen, and we have this harmony of plants and animals. Sweet. I'm just saying. All right. So let's move on to uh, some other tweets, and uh, we're going to kind of group these as, you know, kind of like to, to deal with ice. So think of it ice. as like, you know, maybe skating on Enceladus or oh, Europa or okay. something like that. But you, you happen to have some... Um, some some skating facts that you tweeted about. I wonder if this was during the Winter Olympics. This is February 2014. I don't, I don't remember yeah. the dates. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. Okay. So, so, oh, so here's Sochi. one. So you're watching the Olympics in Sochi. I'm loving me Russia. some Olympics. I love yeah. me some Olympics. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, it, this is titled Obscure Fact. Okay. Uh, by the way, I tweet 125 characters. Not 140. Uh, you see, now you're just showing off. <laughs> every single uh, by time. By the way, uh, yeah, pretty much right. every single time. You know, I, I try to leave uh, rare exceptions. characters. Rare I like to leave characters on the table. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, in case I need them. For just, yeah, just in case you just need them. In case you need them. In the bank, in the character <laughs> bank. Uh, okay, obscure fact. Skating is possible only because compressed ice melts. So skaters glide on slippery water, not on slippery ice. Sweet. So now, are you saying mm. that the friction between the blade and the ice? Not the friction, the pressure. The pressure yes. between the blade and the ice yes. is melting the ice yes. so that there is an ever so thin layer of water yes. that the skater is actually gliding like a snail makes its little. So is it lubricant? Like, slimy, little slimy goo. I've never heard skating anal analogized to snails. Snail slime. Yeah. <laughs> Like snail slime. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the one that needed meds this morning? I don't know. <laughs> I think we're going to share. Are you sure? <laughs> so now, how is it? So, uh, so oh. is this is this okay, surface so, so tension? Can is we this... back? Can we back up for a minute? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm really fascinated okay. by this. Uh, generally, people's understanding of the word force is accurate to how we use it in physics. Okay. It's generally the right. same. Okay. Okay. I need more force to open this door, okay? Right, right, so you yeah. put in a force. There's another term called pressure, mm -hmm. which is less familiar as a physics term in the public, okay? So pressure is force divided by the area over which the force is operating. Gotcha. Okay? Mm -hmm. so, so watch what happens. If I have a knife mm -hmm. and it's not cutting because it's dull, I'm putting a force on that knife, and it's not working. I, you have to ask yourself, what is the area of the cutting blade? Mm -hmm. right. What is the area of the thing that's touching the thing you're trying to cut? It's dull. So you may, it's not very big. You know, let, Let's say it's one square millimeter over the entire length of the blade, let's say. Okay. okay? Now you sharpen the blade. What does that mean? You're reducing the, the surface, surface area, area of the cutting edge. Right. Now it's one hundredth of a square millimeter, because that stuff would you can't even. It's it's and now the force divided by the area creates an enormous pressure. Right. So the lower the pressure, the lower the area is of that cutting blade, the higher, higher the pressure. The pressure is for the same force that you're using to cut. That's why sharp knives cut. That's why it. That's what it means when you sharpen a knife. You're shrinking the denominator of that equation. Pressure equals force divided by area. So, if you ever ice skated, I used to. I used to be a skating guard actually. Uh, okay. Long ago. Long right. ago. Um, and uh, I used figure skates, by the way. Uh, so, um, so okay. So when they sh quote sharpen skates, what you do is you actually put a concave. Cut. Uh, the the bottom of the blade is concave. That's right. Okay. okay. I don't know if you ever look closely at yes. this. No, I haven't. So, so I'm, I, every day's a school day. Okay. Go, every day's school day. So it's concave, the full length of the blade. So that means if you lean to the left or to the right, 
all of your weight is on basically a knife edge of the skate. And so that creates extreme pressure on the ice. Mm -hmm. And how thick is the ice? It's like a fraction of an inch. Did you know this? Okay. Uh, ice skating rinks, it's like okay. a fraction of an inch. Didn't know that. Okay. So now you put pressure on the top of that ice and, and it melts the ice in the instant, instant your skate comes over it. Wow. Okay. Now, but I didn't explain why the ice melts. I was That's about a, to that say. Is, that is one of the most profound facts in the universe. But are you, are you ready? For, I don't know if you're ready for this. Sat down anyway, so let's go okay. for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. So you're with me now that the, the sharper the, the edge, right. the higher the pressure. Right. Okay. Yes. You got that. All right. So now, we all know that ice floats. Okay. Yes. That is rare among, material, among, among substances. Usually, if you freeze something, cool it and freeze it, it gets smaller. Right? Right. But okay. Water, however, expands. When it gets to about four degrees Celsius, by the way, water is shrinking down to about four degrees Celsius, and not freezing yet, freezing would be zero. Right. Four degrees Celsius, then it says, I'm now gonna get bigger. Right. So between four and zero, right. it becomes puffier, and it becomes less dense than the water it's sitting on, and it floats, okay? That's why it is almost impossible to completely freeze a lake in the winter. Because if a chunk of ice forms anywhere, it floats, and you will freeze the top of your lake, mm -hmm. and that will insulate the rest of the lake from the cold temperatures that are above it. Right. So it'll keep the temperature. It basically constant. prevents the bottom. So all the fish just get lower and lower and lower, and they hang out until springtime, and then they come back. Right. Otherwise, we would be killing all life forms in every lake for every winter. Okay? So now, watch what happens. Now, I, I now have this ice cube mm -hmm. that is... Bigger in volume than the than what it's melted, uh, 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 than what it would be melted. Okay, right. with you. I want to now squeeze that ice cube. That's not allowed. You can't do that because the ice has to be that volume. Got it. That's it. Right. It has to be that volume so, to be ice. So it has to return yes, yes, to yes, the state yes. before you froze it. Yes. Which means that it's got to turn back to it's water. It's got to turn back to water under pressure. Oh my God, that is so awesome. Okay. It's right. got. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait. That's so, amazing. No, it's freaking. It, it, okay, it, so wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. wait okay, wait, so wait. check this out. Wait, wait. <laughs> Can anyone else see that light bulb? Chuck is having a brain orgasm. Chuck is brain orgasm. So wait, wait. I got to tell you this. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So by the way, okay, go ahead. this is also why pipes break in the winter. Right. What happens is water is sitting there, okay? Mm -hmm. How come they don't break at, at um, oh, wait, wait. So water is sitting there in the pipe. Now watch what happens. So the water tries to expand but the pipe is preventing it, Right. okay? So you can get down to 31 degrees. No, nobody's pipes freeze at 31 degrees right. or 30 degrees, right. you know? The water is still there contained, okay? Then you reach a point where the pressure of the pipe can't, 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 can't keep this thing as water right. and the water changing state becomes more powerful than the frickin' copper pipe itself. That's right. And it says, I am now Iceman. Right. It busts out of the pipe, and it'll break practically anything. But if you make something that's kind of unbreakable, it'll stay water all the way down. So check this out. With what? that in mind, all right. There, I love scotch, okay? I, I enjoy drinking some scotch, okay. single malts. Mm -hmm. And they have these giant copper weights. And they are hollowed out so that it's a sphere on the inside of this giant copper weight. This is in the vat where the well, not where they're made. making it. This is for a, this is for an ice cube, so that you can make a, a ice cube to put in your scotch without glass. diluting your without your, diluting your. Scotch. Oh, okay. So what they do is they take a block of ice, they sit it, and they put the giant copper weight that is concave yes. on top of it. The pressure of the giant copper weight yes. pushes down on the ice, yes. and the ice melts into a ball. Yes. Yes. And it's exactly what you were just talking yes, that, about, and, and, with the, which happens when the skater is on the ice. You know what also happened? You could take a screen, a grid, like a, like a, like a screen that would be on a screen door, but just to make this a little more interesting, right. uh, increase the size of the, of the, the, the screen hole. Right. Make it like maybe a, a half a centimeter uh, on a side. Mm -hmm. And hold it horizontally, take a block of ice, mm -hmm. and place it on this screen. And it's got to be really heavy ice, 
and the screen is not too fine a, a grid. So what will happen is the, the ice in contact with the screen will feel the weight of the entire block and it's gonna melt it. Right. right. So it melts it, but just to get around the screen. Right. And it comes out on the other side. I'm I am th melted ice at 31 degrees because I was under pressure, but now I'm back to 31, 32 degrees. I mean 33. Did I say that right? It melts in a in a below freezing temperature. And when it comes out the other side, it just freezes again because it's no longer under pressure. No longer under pressure. So you come back in a half hour, half of the block has passed through, through the, the, screen. the screen. But it's still ice it's on the other still side. still ice on the other side. Wow. And see this? And all this happens when you watch hockey and you don't even know it. Speaking of skating and ice, any tips for skating anywhere else in the universe? Well, ice, uh, Earth does not have uh, ownership of all the ice that's going on. So Mars has polar ice caps, as does Earth, yep. that shrink and grow seasonally, as does Earth. And while we're there, Mars rotates about once every 24 hours, mm. as does Earth. Mm. So that's why Mars is such a, an object of our affection mm. as a possible second planet that we might inhabit after we trash Earth. But if you want to go beyond Mars, uh, one of my favorite objects out there, uh, celestial objects, is a moon of Jupiter called Europa. Europa. Ooh. Love me some Europa. This is far beyond the warm habitable zone, the Goldilocks zone, where the temperature is just right to sustain liquid water. Too close, if you have water and you're too close to the sun, it evaporates. Right. Too far away, it freezes. Europa is well outside of this zone, but beneath this surface of frozen water, is a liquid ocean has been liquid for billions of years. There's an energy source from Jupiter stressing the shape uh, of Europa uh -huh. in ways <coughs> in ways that are not fundamentally different from if you ever play racket sports, they say, let's yep. warm up the ball. Right. Yes, yes, yes. What are you doing? You are compressing the ball for every hit, and then the ball re restores its shape, ready for you to smack it again. Okay. You are pumping energy. So this is through gravitational... Yeah, so what's happening is there are what we call tidal forces that mm -hmm. distort the physical shape of Europa. Mm -hmm. And as Europa goes around Jupiter, it's then distorted in another way, and then in another way. So it's constantly getting, getting harassed right. by, by Jupiter and other surrounding moons. So that collects as energy deep within, and it melts the ice. So it's like when you bend a... Um Paperclip back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Oh, yeah, so, so it's matter mm. getting stressed and heat. And, and why does it get hot? You're putting energy into it exactly. by bending it back and forth. So Jupiter is putting energy into Jupiter Europa. and surrounding moons are conspiring right. to, to make this happen. Right. Okay, so now watch. So you have a nice surface of ice on Europa. Mm -hmm. In principle, you could go skating there. However, this ice is not on top of a, this ice is not on top of a rigid surface. As a, as a normal skating rink would be, it's afloat an ocean. Ah. So what happens? The ocean moves, the ice cracks, water seeps up, refreezes. So you, there is no smooth Zambonified surface right. on Europa. So I don't know that skate. Well, you, I guess you could bring a Zamboni there. That no, that would be a really wealthy civilization. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's smooth out Europa, guys. Just, just yeah. we go ice skating hey, on let's it. Go, let's go sky. We're going <laughs> to, yes, very, more than wealthy. <laughs> but a, a quick thing about Europa is, of course, I've said this many times, I want to go ice fishing on Europa, cut a hole and see if anything swims. Did anything evolve in that ocean for in the, over the last billion years? Yeah, but here's the thing. bargain for. I know, yeah, you watch what you wish for. But I have colleagues of mine that said that might not be necessary. Because Europa keeps breaking apart and refreezing. Mm -hmm. When you break apart, the water gurgles up and then refreezes very quickly, mm -hmm. okay? Because it's a spontaneous crack. Right. Water. So you might be able to find fish that got caught in the updraft of the water. Right. And so then you're there, and it's just frozen fish. You didn't have to dig for it. Right. It's in the cracks. Right. It's it's a TV dinner. Just wait. <laughs> It's a Europa TV dinner. Frozen food section. Frozen food section. Yeah. Frozen food section. There you go. <laughs> so so uh, it would be a very big challenge to smooth that out. And by the way, the surface of Europa looks just like what the North Polar regions used to be. It's ice sheets on an ocean because there's no land in the North Pole, mm -hmm. contrary to any representation of Santa you have ever seen at home. Because you think they have to show pine trees right. around his, his, no. That doesn't The happen. dude's on the North Pole, right. he's on an ice flow, and, and he's no different from the polar bear that's about to be stranded because the ice is melting. 
Right, so that means there's probably no reindeer up there either. Not, not, not only that, uh, he, he'll be overdressed for the warm weather that's to come. So in the future, there'll be Santa with fewer clothes on, right. sitting, on, on the, sitting on the ice floe. That's why don't he's worry, children. He'll be there next year for you. Right. Don't worry. Don't worry about that bad Mr. Neal so was saying. I, I didn't mean to put that image in your head. <laughs> Santa on a beach chair. Yeah. That's why he's working on his abs. Yeah. <laughs> Santa abs. Santa abs, baby. Santa abs, baby. (laughs) Oh, there's also uh, another moon, Enceladus. This is a fun moon because there are pressures under the surface. And when we think of Yellowstone, I think of Jellystone. uh, uh, It's Yogi. Yes, thank you. Yellowstone (laughs) Park with the geysers Geysers, and things. Why are there geysers? The the water gets heated. uh, Pressure builds up. Mm -hmm. It blows. Old okay. faithful. Oh, okay, it's not, it's, it turns out after an earthquake, it's not faithful anymore. That's what you haven't heard about in the last no. decades. When was the last time anyone even mentioned old faithful to you? Think about it. Wow. Yeah, so what I read was there was an earthquake and it messed with the under areas, and now it's just not faithful anymore. It's still, still blow. It's still blow. Not like clockwork. Not the way it used yeah, to. Yeah, not the way it used to. Right. Wow. Yeah, so it's the old unfaithful. So we've got, so Enceladus has geysers and volcanoes that blow from the pressure of evaporating ice mm. rather than from uh, uh, the steam that would build up from high temperatures. Right. So on Enceladus, you've got geysers spewing, hurling chunks of ice. Right. Whoa. And volcanoes that blow other chunks. So the pressure is from cold things uh, subliming, uh, uh, evaporate like like CO two would. CO two, right? So it's a, the cold volcanoes. It's a fun idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, theme park, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> right, we're going to take a break. More of Neil's tweets. More of Chuck's discovery of ice and a brain orgasm, and me being quiet, probably learning lots. <laughs> Join us in a minute. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. I'm Chuck Nice. This is Playing With Science. Before the break, we got a little bit glacial. Yes. And um, <laughs> we, we learned plenty right. about ice, water. And, and, how ice skate, and how you cannot skate without pressure melting the ice yeah. so that you can glide on a little thin stream of water. Fascinating stuff. And that water refreezes immediately. Right. On the other side. Because it's not the water is not above the melting point. Right. You just forced it into the liquid state under pressure. Self-healing. That is self-healing. Self-healing ice. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that most people were under the impression that you're just carving through the ice, and that's what makes the skate work. But that's amazing. And and hence the way they sharpen the blade. Right. To make the thinnest possible edge on each side. And that's why in in figure skating, it's that my, my daughter's figure skates, and I did a little bit of it long ago, the most of what they do is on one edge right. or another edge. And as rarely right. are they ever just going straight exactly. forward. And it's all about the curve because you're on the edge. And, that's, the edge. What, and that's how you do That's how they judge. That's how they do all the fun things. Yeah. yeah. So this is great. Let's let's move forward because right now when well, I just realized that that this is that this is like the a cheap ass show because like I'm in the family and I'm your entire guest this whole show. Yes. <laughs> That was the idea. Some cheap. Some people would look at that and (laughs) say, I'm that important, this whole show's about me. (laughs) You took a different stance. I'm just saying. You took a different stance. I see what you guys are doing here. You know, when I'm hosting the show, I'm getting people in from from around the world. But Al Gore doesn't want to talk to us. Okay, all right, all right. But he was very short. Right. Okay. So let's jump into a little baseball. All right, let's go summertime. Before we look at the tweet on baseball, because you had a really interesting tweet about the slowest you could make a pitch, which made me think about... In other uh, words, there's a slowest possible pitch. Slowest possible pitch, which can actually happen at the physics of a slowest possible pitch. But it also got me thinking about one of the most unique pitches in baseball, which is the knuckleball. And there's a guy by the name of uh, R.A. Dickey, who throws the nastiest knuckleball in baseball. So let's take a look at this clip, and and then I just want you to comment on the knuckleball for me. Toronto versus Boston. Yeah, Boston versus Toronto. And Dickey's on the mound, and take it away. The Blue Jays, because Ari Dickey's throwing today? Josh Tolan. <laughs> he told me today, he said, trying to catch the knuckleball is tough. Trying to catch the knuckleball in the shadows on a four o'clock game is nearly impossible. So we will watch that tomorrow for Stephen Wright. Yeah, might be a problem for Ryan Hannigan. That's Russell right. Martin will be back there for Marcus Stroman. 
Well, that was a terrific <laughs> knuckle ball. That, would, that, that was, a, that was an 0-1 no, pitch to uh, Blake Swihart. and who was waved by to Blake Swihart. What just happened there? I mean, that, that was a funky delivery. He took a little something off of it. It was wiggling, and then watch the swing from Blake Swihart. He swings, and see the bat just nothing but air nothing but air and so what the a lot of air wasn't like he just came near the ball not only the bat wrapped the bat wrapped around his waist and then flew out of his control of it so but the thing that made that interesting is when you hear the announcer say the ball gets to the plate and just wiggles so what's going on from a physics standpoint in that instant so what we know from basic physics 101 is, well, it's from physics 102. Okay. <laughs> How's that? Uh, second semester. Second semester is, is the stability of an object is improved and enhanced if you rotate it. Yes. So that you might have heard the, the notion of something being spin stabilized. Right. Yep. Okay, so. You see it in NFL with the spiral. Oh, no, spin stabilized. So the spiral goes and it's, it's very right. stable in that in that. Or just a simple gyroscope. Gyroscopes, yeah. for example. Uh, planets are stable spinning as uh, spinning objects. So. Uh, we might spin a satellite to stabilize it in, right. its, in its location. So, so, all right. A knuckleball does not spin. It is therefore not spin stabilized. Mm-hmm. And if it's not spin stabilized, it is susceptible to any possible puff of air that goes transverse to its path to the plate. Right. So the slightest breeze will just take it. Right. And breezes are kind of it's strong in one instant and a little less in another instant. And, right. and we just take that for granted walking down the street. It's not always constant in your face. Right. Just give me an idea for an, one of our little mini-series. What's that? Weird science. Weird. Because that's weird. Because when we see a pitch, it does well, it's, all It's all only things. weird if you're unfamiliar with the science. Which people are. That's not as good a segment. <laughs> Think about it. All right. It's on the to do or to okay, don't do all right, list. All right. <laughs> me, Instead of weird that, science, weird. Yeah, this segment is called It's Only Weird If You're Unfamiliar with the Science. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> so, so, so a knuckleball. Uh, so one thing I would be interested in testing yeah. is if the air is perfectly still. Mm. And I would, I would wonder whether knuckleballs in domed stadiums are as effective as knuckleballs in the open in open air stadiums. Uh, you can have, you know, in any stadium you've been in, the air can just come in and like circle swirls, around, swirls swirl, around. It does all different kinds, all of kinds of different things. Right. And now you do have air currents in a closed dome because yes. you have air conditioning ducts and they right. cycle yes. the air. You have doors that are opening and closing. Right. So there's some there's some air currents, but I would be curious, and I'm sure the sabermetricians, you know, the folks who calculate what every little detail that has ever happened in the history of baseball yes. in the universe, um, maybe they have thought about this. I don't know, but the uh, I would guess that in a closed stadium, your knuckleball just does not do as many things as it would otherwise do. And and it also means if it's a windy day, you can't even trust the knuckleball because the catcher will never catch it right. <laughs> because it'll just go f- one foot away in an unpredictable you end way. Up throwing a ball every time if, if if it's too windy. If it's too windy, you can't even. Right. It's it's a, it's a crapshoot at yeah. that so point. So what's, what's the worst that'll happen if your catcher doesn't catch it? Or if the batter doesn't hit it. So what would you rather, if your catcher doesn't... If the people on base, you don't want the catcher to no, not catch it. but I'm just saying, it. if it's, if it's low... Well, it matters. It changes the dynamic. Yeah. So the catcher doesn't catch it, the, the runner advances. Right. And it's a, it's a passed ball. So, so uh, you're a Brit. Do you know the difference between passed balls and an error? Nope. Okay. So we have a Brit in the house. Uh, so the, the pitcher and the catcher handle the ball on every single play. Right. So they get a... They get a a dispensation if they do something wrong for the fact of handling the ball in every single play. So if I, the pitcher, and I throw the ball, and it's way outside, you can't re- recover it, mm-hmm. and the batter advance, it's not a, an error, it's called a wild pitch. Right, right, with you. And if I'm a catcher, and I should have caught the ball, but I just messed up, mm-hmm. it's called a, a, a pass ball. Okay. Those do not accrue to your record of errors. All right. Okay. Yeah. Whereas I'm a pitcher, it hits back to me and I throw to first base and I throw over the guy's head. Error. That's an error. Right. All right. I'm trying to catch the ball. I'm at home plate and it bounces off my, my web and goes over my head. That's an error. Mm. So catchers tend to have a lot of, a lot of pass balls uh, when they have pitchers who throw 
knuckleball right. because it's they cannot anticipate they cannot anticipate where the ball is going to be. So, anyway, so with that in yeah. mind, with that in mind, you wrote a really cool tweet uh, uh, about baseball. And we were just talking about air currents. Okay. Uh, this is uh, just the opposite. So go ahead and read your tweet. You don't want to. Where's the tweet about the the, the minimum speed of a throw? Oh, that's can what, we do yeah, that? We yeah, got the wrong, we got the wrong tweet up. I'm okay. sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm okay, sorry. so here we go. Here we go. Okay, so, so, so go into that. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, you wrote a tweet because the knuckleball, as you say, is you know kind of uh, um, subject to the whims of air currents, yeah. and, and they don't tend to go very fast. And either, they don't right? tend to go very fast. You're a fastball hitter, you right. might just give up and go back to the dugout. <laughs> right. <laughs> which which brings me to this tweet that you wrote about slow pitches. Yeah. And so go ahead and read this one. Okay, slowest. Pitch in baseball to reach the catcher, 30 miles per hour, thrown at a 45-degree angle. Any slower and at any other angle, it hits hits the the ground. ground. So that is the slowest possible pitch. And and, and, and so here's what's funny about this tweet. Not funny. Mm -hmm. Here's what I love about this tweet uh, and and working with you, period, Mm -hmm. is you say a lot of things and people, which I appreciate. I appreciate that people go behind you. And actually say, okay, I'm going to see if this is right. Well, that's good, but they're making trying to prove Tyson wrong as a sport. Well, that's, <laughs> listen, there's nothing to do about that. You can't be right. Let me try to. But the great thing is uh-huh. there is a guy, uh, which uh, we don't have it and it doesn't make a difference. He took your calculations and diagrammed it out and put it up on Twitter oh, and was like, Neil deGrasse Tyson, absolutely right. This is the absolute, and it's the, the actual calculation is 30.4 miles per hour. I rounded. I rounded. You rounded yeah, it. Yeah. But it's 30.4 miles per hour uh-huh. thrown from, it has to be a 45 degree angle, factoring in the mound. Yeah, the mound. The mound is already factored in. Yeah, yeah. And the catcher is not actually at home plate. Right. And the arm of the pitcher, the ball leaves the hand of the pitcher well forward of the of the rubber on the mound. Right. So you got to. You got to put those yeah, things you, in. I, so yeah. I did a, a, a rough estimate to uh, but, but the thing that is that he actually proved your calculations in a diagram and, and put it up on Twitter which I thought was uh, fantastic and that is that is the slowest you can pitch possible a possible pitch and the thing about a 45 degree angle we all know what that is it's it's mm-hmm. equal amount forward as up right, yeah. and uh, you learn in physics 101 that you, it's an interesting question how do I make by the way this comes from military military Napoleon Napoleon I visited Napoleon's library yeah. on Elba when okay. he was there. All right. An entire wall of engineering and physics books. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't just a little tyrannical guy. No. He, knew he, he knew not only how to make his cannon, he knew where the cannonball was going to fall. Listen, you got to know where to put those cannonballs if you want to rule the world. You got to know where your, your balls go, right? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. so if you want to hit your enemy as far away as they are, what angle should you put your cannon? Right. And you can calculate that angle. For a given speed of the ball coming out of the nozzle, whatever the the the, the hole, forty five degrees. Right. If you angle it higher than that, you're wasting some of the speed in altitude, mm-hmm. rather than in distance. Right. If you angle it lower than forty five degrees, it doesn't stay airborne long enough to go as far as it could have. Right. Forty five degrees maximizes the the hang time. And the distance, so that you can go as far as you possible possibly can on that hit. Now, if they're closer than that maximum distance, then you'll want to adjust the height. Right. So, the, what do you call those things that they go poof, poof? That they mortars. They're mortars. mortars. Yeah, those mortar shells. Those, yeah, yeah. So that's a fixed speed that it comes out. Right. And if they're not as far away at the maximum speed, you got to change the angle higher. Right. And then, then so that's how you do it. That, that, those were what the first computers were used for. It. Sweet spot of war. Right. Yeah. So you apply that same calculation to a pitch. You get you get a forty five degree angle, thirty mile an hour pitch. Sweet man. I just thought that was really interesting. Oh, that's why. That's why sometimes they have people uh, first pitch. Ceremonial first pitches. Right. Mm. Sometimes people throw it; it just never makes it to home plate. <laughs> right, because they throw it at twenty-eight point four miles an hour. See, and if you ever wanted to to have the evidence of Neil thinking deeply about his tweets before he tweets them, that's exactly it. That's it. You've sat there, you've calculated, you've thought about it. And just to be clear, it's not that I distracted my day to make that tweet. I just had that thought anyway, and then I said, well, let me make it rigorous with the calculation. So that did take extra time, but this was a thought I was having anyway while I was watching a baseball game. Cool. All right, let's get to uh, probably will be our last tweet. What do we have? The segment? Okay. Mixed up. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can play baseball on the airless moon. 
but only if you find a way to not suffocate. Okay. And if you don't care about curveballs. Right. Yeah, because uh, a curveball requires a difference in pressure from one side of the ball to the other to have air alter the course of that of that ball and uh, curve it like Beckham or what's the Bendy like Beckham, like Beckham. Yeah. Bendy Beckham. That's no different from what he's doing on uh, when he can kick it forward, but with a spin, mm-hmm. and he's relying on the aerodynamics of the ball moving through the air for the air to then push the ball sideways, looking like it has some magic arc to it, but it's really just aerodynamics. Resistance. Yeah, it's like it's the aerodynamic version of putting English on the ball uh, when you play billiards. Right. They call it putting English on the ball in the UK, or is it putting American on the ball? Uh, <laughs> what is it? The answer is yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Mild Neil, I got to tell you, man, this was fantastic. Yes. So much fun. We didn't get through most of my tweets. Oh, no, we did. We'll have to come back and yeah. do it all again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be a cheap date for you guys. Nice. I'm oh, already so in the Star Talk family. Yeah. <laughs> Just call me up and I come by because I'm a sucker yeah. you know, oh, for this yeah. thing. Yeah. Now, well, we certainly appreciate it, man. Seriously, that was a lot of fun. Very fun. informative, and uh, you know, a little different twist on the show, so we're, we're glad that we did it. All right? Yeah, I'm Gary O'Reilly. You're Chuck Nice. This has been Playing With Science, but if you think about it, we've spun the playing with science just a little bit differently. So thank you to Neil deGrasse Tyson, who has been entertaining as always, informative and a great sport for going back through all of those tweets over the recent years. Thank you. So from us on Playing With Science, see you all soon. 